cliffcentral.com. Well, Wednesday's rolled around again. Happy hump day to everybody out there. I'm Sharon Dale, and I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan Sinclair, and we are Animal Central. Hello, Sharon. It's a good day today. Yes, it's a good it's day. It's a good day. It's I'm enjoying life always at the my moment. favorite show when we bring animals in studio. Yes. 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 And we got some interesting ones, uh, alive and, and stuffed in studio today. Yes. Let's call it that. <laughs> but before we start, you know, it's because it's uh, Cliff Central's birthday on the 1st of May. Mm-hmm. We've been doing these amazing giveaways of Samsung Galaxy S4s. In the last show, Rookies and Rockstars, Tsecho Fatsu Toka won the phone, so they'll be getting hold of him shortly. And if you're listening now and you would like an awesome thing, Samsung Galaxy S4, <laughs> um, all you need to do is listen out for the question on our show. It's coming up next. Then you submit your answer on WeChat. You just simply tap connect, then competition on the menu. So if you want an upgrade or need a brand new smartphone, we'll then hook you up with a Samsung Galaxy S4. Uh, win with Cliff Central and WeChat for this whole month of April. You can also visit cliffcentral.com for the details. Now the question today, a little bit of a tricky one. The question is, what time is the Conza show? Mm-hmm. So all you have to do, get onto WeChat, let us know what time is the Conza show, yeah. and is it the first person that sends in that wins? Uh, they do select the correct answers randomly, Okay, but cool. you do stand a good chance. Um, and yeah, uh, it is on a Friday, so if yes. you want to check it out on the website, and then you can go see what time the Conza show is, yes. it's uh, hosted by Andrew Levy. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. So so get onto your WeChat and yeah, let's see if we can hook you up with a Samsung Galaxy S4. I'd love one. Oh yeah, I'll be honest. Pretty awesome answer. I know, I know. <laughs> but coming up today, um, we've got Erica Verkale, who's the manager of Animal Ethics Unit, the Animal Ethics Unit at the NSPCA. Thanks, Erica, for coming in today. Sure, thank you for having me. It's been very interesting because Erica, let me try and paint the picture for people who can't see. Erica came in with this massive bag with what looked to be... She called it a body bag. A body bag, and it looked to be a real dog in there, but it's actually an anatomically correct stuffed dog called Jerry. Yes. And yes. Jerry, he came to visit. He's our... He's our mascot. Very sexy dude. Um, everyone <laughs> loves Jerry, as you yeah. can see from the reactions He's that beautiful. I got. He's <laughs> beautiful. He's beautiful. I think a lot of people in the studio were quite worried because they thought it was, uh, some people said it was a baboon. Well, what was yeah. in there? <laughs> One member of staff, we won't mention names, uh, thought that it was a baboon. A baboon, <laughs> yes. So now, Erica, why is Jerry here? What do you do? Okay, so in the, in the animal ethics unit, um, we our focus is to basically replace the use of animals for unnecessary research or unnecessary use in education and teaching. And um, Jerry is here because he's a, a replacement or aiding model for uh, training and teaching people who need to draw blood, listen to heart and lung sounds, oh. train on hand, handling animals and things like that. Yes. So that is Jerry's main purpose. So what do they normally do when, when in these teaching schools or in veterinary school? Do they use live animals? They they do use live animals, but there's a big shift uh, towards using alternatives. Mm. Internationally, you will see that um, it's grown. The, the focus of alternatives has grown with ethics in yes, animals. Yes. So there's a huge um, mind shift change, and people prefer using animals before they actually you look you, you call it partial, partial replacement right. you're not going to replace using an animal because you especially if you study veterinary or you mm. animal inspector mm. you would eventually need to work on an to animal but this is just to animal. ease your nerves get used to handling an animal um, get used to handling injections and needles and things like that where to find a vein you know what makes you comfortable when you work with animals yes so Yes, and in the five minutes I spent with you showing, it's it's incredible. You can feel Jerry's heartbeat. You can feel where the veins are, his ribs. Everything is there. It's very real, and um, and that's that's why it works. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that actually knows about alternatives okay. and things like that because it's very, um, it's not it's fairly new in South Africa, um, and it's very expensive to import. 
Unfortunately. Oh, so all of these have to be imported at this at point. The moment. Yes. Yes. Okay, because his life size, he's probably about a, as yeah, big it's as a, big a body bag. That yeah, body, yes, he's, he's yeah. quite a big guy. Mm-hmm. And then you also brought, I don't know what his name is, we've got a frog lying here, and not a real frog, a plastic frog, Yes, for, this, for the same reason, and then we've got a, a rat. Yeah, this is our dissection kit. Um, mm. So we basically started our own alternatives library. Um, because we want to promote things like alternatives to schools and universities. Okay. Norm, I think that's when you get to grade 11, you start dissecting the frog and the rats, and you actually get yeah. actual rats, which... Oh, they're live? No, no, no. They are. They're frozen, and then oh, the teacher okay. sort of just gives them to I you d- like I didn't that. do science, so mm-hmm. yeah. goodness. <laughs> uh, we did it in biology, and it was optional. You could come over the weekend to do it. Yes. But still, it's kind of hectic, though. I mean, it's an actual thing that lived. So. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I think this is a much better idea because you see all the organs, and I think you can see them more clearly than in the actual body. Oh, there's a lot of benefits to, to something like this because you, when you dissect a rat and you do it wrong, your whole specimen is gone. You yeah. can't go back and learn again. Mm. As with this, these models, and mm. also you get DVD simulation programs that works very well, you can go back and you can learn about the organs and the functions and how everything works again mm. over and over again. Again. So there's room to make mistakes. Yes, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely. And it always obviously takes the gross factor out and it takes things like conservation issues out Absolutely. and ethical issues. And yeah. we do get complaints about students that they don't want to do it, but they're forced yeah. to sort of do it. Mm. Don't, they don't all have a choice. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, we understand that some dissections need to be done in later in life when you know what your career path is going to be. Yes. But mm. why do it in first year? When if you're you not going to specialize exactly, in Exactly, and no. half the first year classes drop out, so why did you actually need to do that? I know my niece uh, was quite horrified and was in her first year when she had to dissect a, a hardy doll. Which was, yeah, which was quite, quite horrible for her. Yeah. But as you say, at some point, if you are going to now specialize in veterinary science, then you, you're going to have to work yeah, on you're gonna have to get over deceased your animals. Because uh, mm. yes. there are universities overseas that's completely moved away from animals um, you know, altogether. So it is a trend and it is something that's moving fast to yes. South Africa. But at the moment, yeah, we still do a lot of animal work. Really? Yeah. Well, we're going to post, we'll take a picture mm. of us with, with Jerry a little bit later. But now tell me, I don't know if you work with this, Erica. I've seen in the news a lot this week about beagle rescue, the beagles that are being rescued from these Places that experiment on this, on them. Do you work with that as well? As far as I know, and we are involved with about 40 animal ethics committees around the country, um, there's only one or two places that use beagles for teaching purposes mainly. Yes. And um, the use of, of dogs is minute in comparison with the rest of the research mm. animals that they use. What, what are they using? Um, it depends on what they want to do. Mm. So if it is something like tick and flea products where you have to use the animal species that you, your mm. target species, right. then safety and toxicity and things like that needs to be tested. Um, but animal research in general is very much focused on biomedical research. So it's using animals for the benefit of humans. Mm. Yes, yes. You do get, obviously, there's a large amount of animal research that's being done on animals for the benefit of animals, Mm. um, but they all have have their place, and universities focus on different areas. Yes. No, well, I'm I'm seeing here, we just got a, a message in from Brad, and he says, we have similar practice dummies when I was studying to be a paramedic. The dummy has heart sounds, pulses, veins, and you can attach an ECG and get heart rhythms. Mm. So, that's I mean, that's, that's fascinating that you can learn. Yeah. I, I learned now where to find my dog's pulse. It's that yes. easy, which you wouldn't know otherwise. Absolutely. Now, going back to experience, Experimenting on animals. Is that something that the NSPCA also keeps an eye on? Our unit, um, apart from the alternatives, we also focus on guys like university mm-hmm. and non-university institutions doing research on animals. So yes. in order to do research, you need uh, animal ethics approval from a committee, animal ethics committee. And what happens is there's a certain amount of people that needs to be on an animal ethics committee, like you need a vet and a scientist and a welfareist right. and a lay public member. And where we play a big role is that we're actually serving as the animal welfare uh, 
watchdog, if yes. you can put it like yes. that. So we look at exactly what they want to do with the animals, where they're keeping the animals. We do inspections at the facilities. And you basically dissect the protocol to yes, see what yes. they want to do. You need to have a knowledge about research animals. You need to know exactly what they're talking about, what procedures are acceptable and what's mm, not acceptable. Mm. So there's a fair amount of knowledge that you need to know on the subject before you can, you know, comment on something yeah, like that. Sure. I, I mean, I wish there was alternative. I've seen alternatives. I've seen the images where they test cosmetic products and mm. uh, hair dyes and everything and they literally squirt these things into mm. into mm. Uh, rabbits eyes it, it's it's horrific and these animals are in cages that's all they do and i've seen a lot of you know the beagle rescue in the, in the usa they their main task is to go there and free these dogs and they've never seen the sun they've never had feet mm. on grass they've never had a normal life um, yeah, I can, I can honestly point. tell you that um, that's not exactly the situation in South Africa. Is it not? No. That's the, good the photos to hear. and things that you see is mainly from overseas. Yes, and it's very old. A lot of those pictures are really old. Mm-hmm. And um, cosmetics, as far as we know, they don't test cosmetics in South Africa. No, they might no, use the ingredients that has been tested overseas somewhere. Yes. But it's not exactly. No, I don't think so. I mean, the big brands that do taste. But I mean, those yeah. big brands are getting imported anyway. So mm. even somewhere if they mm. have been. Yeah, somewhere they've been tested on yeah. animals. Yeah. 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 So the safest thing to do is when you use your own cosmetics and hair products and things like that is to make sure on the label that hasn't been tested on yes, animals. Yes, or it's beauty without cruelty. Now, Arno is yeah, our resident herpetologist. Arno, you wanted to jump idea, in here. Um, we're busy uh, doing research on people's blood after they've been bitten by snakes to determine if you can draw blood to determine which snake it is, how much has been has injected into them and do they need anti- antivenom or not, yes. um, which will save millions and millions of rands and it will save many lives. lives. And what we're using for that is we're using snakes from specific localities. So when we get a problem, Pafada for example, we'll milk the Pafada and we'll let him go because he's done his job and he's got to go back. Just to be able to milk that puffetta so we can use it on blood, we have to get ethics approval for that. So it is for oh, okay. anything, anything, whether we're using it on, on animals or humans. Obviously, we're working on humans because yes. that is what we what we Just for that, we need to get ethics approval. So it is at yes. every it's level. And these people are serious about it. Jeez. I mean, this is at the University of Pretoria. Yes. They, these guys are serious. And they said, don't have ethics approval. We don't do it. And I said, you know, where are you getting the snakes? I said, they're problem snakes. And they said, well, we're going to have to discuss that. And mm. it's just catch a snake, milk it. Release it. Yes. I like that. that is that is good. It doesn't news. have to live its whole life in captivity. Right, right. Awesome. That is yeah. excellent news that we're actually doing something about yeah, it. It's very regulated research, um, you know, monitoring, especially at your big universities. Mm. They they make a big point of using the SANS code. It's a standard that's for research animals, and they use it as their own law within the universities. So they have to follow it, and they need to know exactly where the animals come from, what procedures you're going to do on them, yes. how you're going to release, where you're going to, is it feasible to release an animal again. You know, all those type of aspects gets, like I said, dissected right, on right. a committee. Yeah, on, on I wonder if it's better, though, if you're testing for products that are for the animals. So if you're doing tick and flea testing, I mean, that should be ethical because it's for the dogs. But then I wonder who gives their dog up to be tested or are those dogs just, they don't actually have a home. They're just testing dogs. Uh, if it's in that situation, they have a breeding colony. Mm. Um, breeding colonies generally, as far as we know, are kept um, under very good conditions. Mm. And they, you know, they have running pens and they have place to play. And but it's all not those like they have a family things. or anything. They just no. they live in the mm. testing facility their whole lives and... Look, I guess, you know, it's such a controversial subject mm. because these dogs have possibly allowed for my dogs exactly, yeah. <laughs> to be vaccinated and to live products. longer lives. Yeah. Correct. It, another, it's, it's so controversial. Another thing you need to bear in mind is that those animals need to be in pristine condition. If you have yeah. a dog that's slightly sick and you put, for example, flea powder on him and he gets sick and dies, you think it's because of flea powder. But it's because a dog wasn't being looked after. Yes. Um, to have a dog that, for example, is used to um, humans playing with him and running Social. around and all that. Mm. So they socialize with each other, socialize with people as well. Um, I've 
I've, I've seen some of these places and I've looked there and I've, funny enough, there were a couple of beagles involved and these animals seem to be fairly healthy, happy animals because you have a sickly animal, it, automatically they pull it yeah. and genetically it's got to be perfect. Otherwise we get the wrong results. Get so it's in their results. best interest to keep the animals healthy. Yes. Otherwise mm. their product is not going to well get approved. Well fed. And, and yes. these guys keep pressure on them to make sure that everything goes well. But it's such good, I really can't get it. such good news that we, we actually don't have all these horrible facilities that you see in the USA. Um, but, and I think, you know, maybe some of the images are old, but I know there's currently this group that goes around and rescues these beagles from these facilities. And, and some of the videos, it's just, it makes mm. you want to cry. It's very unfortunate because people think it happens all over the world. Mm, you know, yes. it's, you know, you can't really judge what, what what's happening in other countries. Yes. Just to say the same is happening in South Africa. So, do you work closely with with varsities and mm. places like Honest to Put yes, as well? Yes, very close. Yeah. Like I said, we we serve on animal ethics committees all over the country. Um, we on forty animal ethics committees, non-university sure. and university yes, ethics yes. committees. So, yeah, because yeah. I guess you know, like you say, Jerry. For the beginner, for first year, maybe second year, but then going forward to third year, where you do actually have to work on on a, a real animal. Mm-hmm. Where where do these frogs and these rats and that where do they come from? It is a problem because we keep on discovering that although you are involved with universities and things like that, you keep on discovering mm. that there's certain departments that don't really go through ethics approval before they do dissections and things like that yet, and. Um, some of the times they use breeding animals, especially okay. rats. So they breed themselves. Yeah. But then there are places that, especially schools, we have no idea where they get them from. Okay. And that's a, that's a problem. I know you can actually go as vulgar as it sounds to the butcher and get things like this, like rats. That's ideal, and, actually. And a frog, for from instance. From a butcher? Yeah. I, I know Seriously? my biology teacher would go to certain places and just buy the rats frozen. And it's very sort of humane in the way that they packaged. I mean, you don't just buy the rats. It's like comes in a package. Oh, my word. No, they were lying to you. A butcher is not allowed to uh, deal in any animal which still has its skin on, especially not rodents. Otherwise, they'd lose their license for the butchery. So probably it just the butcher happened to know somebody. Mm. But there are people who, pr- who produce these animals on a large scale. Frogs are protected. You're not allowed to do that with frogs whatsoever in South Africa. Not even. So if you're really? dissecting a frog... It's, it's illegal. illegal. Guaranteed it's illegal. They were collected illegally. You're not allowed to do it. It's a lot of the time what they get from the butchers is they get a heart or a liver or something. And I remember cutting oh, those right, up. But right. I never remember cutting open a whole body. But I'm still old school. We used to get our dead animals from the SPCA. Mm-hmm. In those days, mm-hmm. they used to give us euthanized animals. And that's what we would use. Okay. And obviously the SPCA got upset and then stopped that. Yes. Um, because we... Each of us had a project where to make a skeleton, and everyone would go to the SPCA and get a cat or a dog and make the skeleton. Oh, yeah. And luckily, oh, that has stopped because it was horrific. These people yeah. were having nightmares, and things have changed. But yeah, some of the people do still breed them, and then obviously, um, a lot of the research is done on animals which are brought in by people who can't afford the operation. So. If an animal comes in and it's got a broken leg, they can get a class together, fix the leg, everybody learns, and the dog yes, goes home to yes, an owner. Right, so that right. animal doesn't have its leg broken so that th- they can practice on it. Yes. It's actually an animal Open that was brought public. in. Open to the public. Yes, and I've heard they, of that. They plan That's it, wonderful. And for example, at Honestport, they will plan mm. it that on this day, what do we have? And they say, well, we've lined up three surgeries. And they go, we've done those two. Let's do that for the students. Yes, so they do it. They the dog learn. goes back. And the the person gets his dog back healthy. It doesn't cost him anything, and everybody learned out of yes. it. Yes. I suppose rats, you know, talking about rats, you could go to any pet store and buy frozen rats at the moment. <laughs> you know, you can. Yeah. But but that's, I mean, is there anything that the public can do to, to help you with what you're doing? Well, an awareness, you know, they can let us know if there's any schools in the area that still does dissections because I mean that's a basic level of where they really really don't need to do dissections mm. in certain um, you know the CAPS module that most of the government schools are using it actually says that when you use an animal you need to put it back to, in the environment where it came from mm. in other words you can't do dissections on them right and it doesn't it doesn't say that you need to do dissections on an animal it does say that you can use alternatives like getting it from a butchery or you know things like that mm. but mm. the problem is also that they don't give them other alternatives, like, for instance, 
a rat model yes. or a DVD or a simulation program, for instance. And and that's where we come in because we would like the Department of Education to work with us to distribute things like this. Absolutely. And like I said to you earlier, we we made our own first 3D printed rat that looks similar to this this one. Yes. Um, that the organs can also remove and it's for basic anatomy and learning and it will be a lot cheaper than importing something like oh, that. So, so the options so are... So this little rat here, mm-hmm. he's much cheaper for the schools to use that. This specific one has mm. been imported okay. just to show them... What but you've done a 3D printed But the 3D version. one is in the making. It's going to look and oh. feel very real with silicone mm. and things like that. It's going to be normal colors that a normal rat... This is very extreme colors that you can yes. see here. Yeah, so, so it will look a little bit more... Real, and then of course I don't have an excuse because they, it looks like a real animal. Mm, so, mm. but there are—I mean, schools have tablets these days. Yes, mm. there's apps that you yes. can download where you can dissect frogs on the app. So there are other options. And they have these interactive smart boards, you know. Exactly. So there, yeah, there is no need to buy a real. No, animals, there's no so. need at all. So if schools are interested, they simply need to get hold of the NSPCA to your division. Uh, animal ethics, ethics unit, yes, sure. and and they can arrange to get this from you once everything's in place. Sure. And I mean, yes, it'll yes. last forever. I mean, they yes, don't have to buy new racks or whatever the case is every year. Mm. Mm. And it doesn't smell funny. No, no. no. And there's no blood. There's no and blood. I'm sure the students no, prefer this. Eh? Yeah. I know. I wasn't. I didn't want to dissect Mm-mm. the rat. I didn't want to come on my Saturday a and be. I didn't want to dissect <laughs> no. the rat. No, no, I can imagine. No. I can imagine. But, I, but did you want to be a vet? I suppose the no. guys that want to be vets can't wait to go. <laughs> I think other people, they just really want to know what goes on inside the body of an animal. It is fascinating. If you're getting a heart from a butcher, it's a lot different to getting something like a rat because that rat could have diseases which can be transferred to how many of the the kids. I mean, Mm. if the the rat was kept under bad conditions, you're looking at things like salmonella, all sorts of ringworm, any other thing because it's basically a reject rat. That's Mm. why it's ended up there. So using silicon like that, I think, is excellent. It's much safer as well. It's much safer and especially Mm. some people also for religious reasons don't want to kill an animal just because because they need to look what's inside it. Mm. I don't think we've it's got necessary. A, we've got another question here from Brad, which we're going to come to when we when we finished uh, speaking to Erica, because it pertains to to you, I know, oh, and uh, and the anti venom production. Okay. So so we'll get to Brad's question. Stay tuned, Brad. Erica, how can people get hold of you? They can go to our website www.nspca.co.za. Um, or they can contact us. Yeah, that's uh, the best yes. thing to do. Just go to the website. And how soon will there. these uh, silicon or whatever, the, the 3D printed rats be available, do you think? Well, hopefully before the end of the year already. Oh, great. Yeah, we are working great. hard on getting it up and running. And um, But in the meantime, there are things like we've got DVDs. Um, simulation models oh, that, that they can, can use, supply. and we can supply them. Yeah, we can sell them to them. This is the high schools that we we're talking to, the varsities and and mm. the colleges. See, sometimes they have to have a practical lesson. Like, mm. it can't just they can't just watch the DVD. They actually have mm. to do it practically. So and this that's really ideal. Yeah. No, it's ideal. It can be used over and over again, mm. and no rats were hurt mm. in the process. Exactly. <laughs> there we go, <laughs> Erica. Thank you so sure. much for joining us today. No and yeah, please keep us posted. I hope that we. We've got some schools listening today. Yeah, I hope so too. And, and we'll actually get hold of you because I really think it's a fantastic idea. And we'll take a photo of us with Jerry just now to Yeah, show, it might be a bit show. disturbing, but it's, it's Well, it's the first time we haven't had a real doggy in the yeah. studio. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll definitely do that. Erica, thanks for all that you do. Much, much appreciated. Sure. All right. And then, Sharon, just before we go to Arno, I know something that's very big on your heart is pit yes, bulls. Yes, pit bulls. Yeah. Very much so. Very, very much so. I love pit bulls. And the Pretoria Pitbull Awareness Walk is coming up now, now, now on the 25th of April. It's this Saturday. It's yeah. this Saturday. It's going to be amazing. It's at the Riettendale. Is yeah. that how you pronounce I, I, that? I read Ritten- it as Rittendale. Rittendale. Park. Rittendale yeah. It's at Rittendale Park. Sotpansberg Road and it starts at 10 a.m. sharp. So water points will be provided halfway. All breeds are welcome, so not only pit bulls, but please, please, please use double leashes and collars as we don't want any mm-hmm. problems if your dog isn't socialized. Yeah, we don't want some pit bulls getting hold no, of each other. <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, important to note that no person under the age of 16 is is to be handle, uh, to handle a dog on their own. Entrance fee, this is the great news. 
All the entrants will be going to Underdog South Africa Rehabilitation Center. We actually had Estelle and Jeanette in studio a few months mm-hmm. ago, and they do amazing work. That yeah. was the pit bull who, who parked a load in the corner. Yes, of the, under the Christmas yeah, tree. Under the Christmas yeah, tree was, at the time. It was wonderful. So all the proceeds are going to Underdogs. They do such yeah. amazing work. They they fight against dog fighting. So it is such a worthy cause. For more information, get hold of Mike. He's on zero eight two. Four seven zero eight seven eight zero or Jeanette on oh eight two seven six one 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 five five. Very very important. We'll also post this on my Canine Zone Facebook page later today when I get back to the office. <laughs> so get there. I'm hopefully going to be there as well. All right. So moving on now to Arno. Yes. Let's move on to Arno. Arno has brought two little. We won't say scaly because they're not really scaly Reptilian no, 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 friends reptilian But now there was a question uh, That someone yeah, had sent in that. It was Brad. Because He's it kind of relates to what Erica was talking about Brad says what about Anti-venom Is this made synthi- synthetically Or do they still use horses To extract the antibodies for the anti-venom And my question is Is, is this safe for the horses Yes, we still use horses. The reason why we use horses is because of the volume. Um, it's a big animal, very easy to to draw enough blood that we can do something with it. The other thing is that the horse lives for a very long time. Okay. Um, these horses, you know, it's not something that's harmful to the horses. Some of them are 18, 21 years old, and they're still quite happy horses. Um, because it is done in a very controlled way, because we want the best product available. Yes. We can also use things like rabbits, but the problem is rabbit doesn't live as long and we get less volume from them and it's more dangerous for the rabbit to draw that amount of blood that we need. Because it's much smaller, yes. Because of its size. Um, they're using sheep in America. They believed that this was fantastic, was going to stop all the allergic reactions that we were getting from mm. the antivenoms and it actually doesn't work. We're actually having more problems with it. Okay. So horses are, are very good for that. In, in the Middle East, funny enough, they even use camels, and that's also been very effective. The perfect one would be to to use humans, but there, apparently there's some law that stops us from taking our prison population and testing it on them. But I would, that would, I be, would vote for so, that. Guys, Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people would, but the thing is, people we on do, death row. You know, we human do rights have, and all. Mm, yeah, what about animal rights? Silly though? little things. <laughs> But the thing is, unfortunately, with horses, we do have a percentage of the population are, believe it or not, allergic to horses. So they are allergic to the antibodies. And there was talk in India that they were looking at using eggs and inoculating eggs and extracting ah. antibodies. It worked out so expensive that the people in India couldn't afford the antivenom. So yes. they could make it, but nobody could afford it. And that also doesn't help because you need to get it to the population. Most of the time, the population that are getting bitten are at the lower Low end of the, groups, of yes. the income groups. Yeah. You know, yeah. These are guys that are Especially in rural in areas India. and mm. guys working in the fields. They don't have – and for them to lose just a limb, not even a life, is – 18 people are affected yes, by it, you know. Yes. So that's why in Their South Africa we, we try to get it as, as perfect as possible. So, Anna, how does it work? So, so you inject minor, minuscule amounts of venom into the horse. Right. We've got 10 horses, okay? Right. Um, there's a black mamba horse, green mamba horse, cat cobra horse, whatever. Each horse is, is microchipped and he's primed for a specific venom. We then inject him Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for three weeks to build up his immunity. With the pure venom. With the from pure the venom, but in small enough knocked. amounts that it basically doesn't do anything to him. Oh. Then we give him what would be a lethal dose for his weight, draw the blood. And that blood then gets taken, put into a centrifuge. They spin it and they take off Sorry, all the white. So I want to go back here. A lethal dose. Yes, we would give him enough which would normally kill him. But now he's immune oh, to it. But because oh, he's immune oh, to it, he doesn't really care. So he, he's built up the, the prime number of antibodies. Mm. We then take the, the white blood cells where the antibodies are. And then we put the red blood cells back into the horse and he gets put out to pasture. Those white blood cells. And it cells, doesn't affect him at all. No, no side effects. If it did, we wouldn't be using them You're for right, so many years. Right. Then the white blood cells we put in a big pot. We take a wooden spoon. Now lie. We've got a laboratory. <laughs> and we mix all 10 horses' antibodies together. That gets put in, purified, put into a, into a vial, and that's what gets injected into So you. that is a range then. So if you're bitten by a mamba or Doesn't a boon viper, it's that same we're getting, anti-venom. We're getting antibodies from all those 10 horses or 10 snakes that have bitten the horse. Okay. 
And that is why we use polyvalence in South Africa, not a monovalent, which you would only need for one snake. So whether it's a, a wrinkles or a spinning yes. cobra or a you're going to get cobra, that it doesn't matter. We're going to give you the same medication. Yes. And you will probably pull through. So that would treat whatever snake. Yep. And you. then you'll be fine. And, and, um, this antivenom, I mean, is it available freely? It Do is available fairly freely, it? but it shouldn't be. It for shouldn't the, for be. the same and simple reason, if you have a major allergic reaction called anaphylaxis, when you inject it because the person's maybe allergic to the horse, that person's blood pressure is going to drop, he's going to stop breathing, his throat is going to close up, and he's going to die. So worse so than the actual could, snake bite. Yes, so you could kill somebody yes, with while you're trying to save them. That's why we prefer that it happens in a hospital situation where we have somebody who has enough experience, hopefully, and can say, look, this is what bit you, or I suspect it's this. Mm. It's gotten to the point where it's not going to resolve itself. Let's give you antivenom. Yes. They give you the antivenom. They put it in a drip. They give it to you slowly. And if you have a reaction, they stop it. They yes. inject you with adrenaline, and then they start and it they again slowly. they can monitor it. So they can monitor it. To inject yourself in the field, there's a good chance you could die. <gasps> so you don't recommend people no, living on farms or yeah, something to have their own kids. Get, to, get yeah. to a hospital. I, I mean, this last weekend I was training 22 doctors up in Elspeth, specifically in more skills in the, the treatment of snake bites. Yes. And they see a lot of snake bites, and they were all very happy about it. And we seem to be getting somewhere because – the doctors don't get enough training during their seven years. I know because I lecture there. Mm. And I don't get enough time to teach them enough about snake bite. So once they've, they've been in the field for a couple of years, then we retrain them. And then those are guys that are interested. And then we get better results. Okay. There are people who inject themselves with, anti, with venom as well. We have a couple. I know of five in South Africa that inject themselves regularly with mambas and cobras and puffadas and obviously what to build up an immunity they build up their own immunity it is completely unethical it is horrible it's not illegal and these guys they reckon that they live longer they have a lot less um, colds and flu and that it builds up their immunity and all this and um, I've sp- spoken to doctors about it, and there's a better chance that they'll die of cancer than what they will from snake bite. So, mm. yes, Good even heavens. though we worry about the horses and we think, oh, it's poor horses, mm. they're mm. people that are doing this willingly, and they say it doesn't really hurt. It's like a bee sting. But then we should extract their uh, white blood cells. Yes, why don't we? It has, exactly, that's it what has actually been done in America. There was a guy by the name of William Haast. He lived to, to be 102 years old, mm. and he injected himself on a biweekly basis with various snake venoms. And in, I think there was five cases where people were bitten by snakes and they didn't have antivenom and they actually drew blood from William, injected it into this person like a blood transfusion and that person survived the snake bite. So yes, in a perfect world, we could get people who volunteer, yes. but the problem is then you've got to watch all the other things they do. They're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to sleep with prostitutes, all um, the other stuff right. that we could. Right. <laughs> we don't want those antibodies in the, in that. So no. it would be very difficult. So no. if we could isolate a couple of them like, at a prison maybe and inject them, that would be perfect. No, sure, <laughs> sure. Now, now, Arna, this weekend, um, my, my son is, his mother is very involved in dog rescue. My son has moved into the snake reptile rescue field and, and we decided to go and have a look at the snake expo or reptile expo that was held this last weekend. Um, went in there and I must tell you, this is just a personal opinion is I was completely gobsmacked at how many venomous snakes were being sold there, mm. including the spitting cobra, which I believe is an indigenous species. And and the person selling them, he would sell them to anyone. No questions asked. You had the money you paid. You got it. We saw cascabel rattlesnakes. We saw uh, eyelash beautiful. I mean, they're stunning eyelash vipers. And and then on top of it, they had cages full of, of um, uh, what is that other little guy that you bring, the little rabbit Oh, chinchillas. Chinchillas. Mm. They had thousands of bearded dragons. And I just, although it was great because I met the people from Bearded Dragon Rescue, Mm. because so many people are buying bearded dragons, it's a big, big thing Mm. right now. But they don't know how to look after them. So these guys end up in rescue. We have about five issues here. Okay, number one, it wasn't a reptile expo, it's an exotic pet expo. There just happened to be a lot of, yeah, there happened to be a lot of reptiles there. I, for example, arrange a reptile expo in two weeks' time, and you will not see chinchillas and tenrecks really? and that sort of stuff there. It's a reptile expo. It's completely different. Um, conditions are different for keeping mammals and birds and things. Mm. And you can't 
I don't like keeping them next to reptiles. It's a reptile and there'll be obviously spiders and, and yes, um, yes, invertebrates, right, right. but it's completely different. The temperatures inside the room are kept different because, for example, I don't want temperatures at 26 degrees if I've got chinchillas, so therefore we don't allow chinchillas. I don't want it at uh, 22 degrees because then the Tenrex and the hedgehogs start getting cold. So that's why we don't have mammals there. We don't like it. Good, we don't want good, little good. birds there. Yes. So ours is a reptile expo. That's the difference between Purely our expo and the one that you were at. The second thing is when you mentioned the Mozambique spitting cobras, obviously being in the position that I am, um, I'm against the trade of all the indigenous reptiles and anything that's illegal. I did phone around. They were not Mozambique spitting cobras. They were red spitting cobras. They occur north of Mozambique. They're exotic and you are allowed to trade in them. Oh, you are. They apparently were, were brought up from Cape Town. And they were sold here. The nice thing is, if you get bitten by a snake like that, I can still save your life because we use exactly the same antivenom that we have in South Africa covers that species. So it's not that dangerous if you get bitten by them or the runcles in your garden, mm. you would have the same problem. Yes, I don't approve of them being sold to anybody. And I find it hard to believe but it still happens that somebody would walk into an expo, mm. walk past there and go, hey, I want a rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah. The cascabel that was sold, I found out who sold it. The kid that actually sold it is actually working my Python on a film shoot as we speak. Um, and the person that he spoke to who had ordered the cascabel, he keeps rattlesnakes. He specializes in other rattlesnakes, but he's never kept a cascabel. Okay. And okay. I think you mentioned that he said he had never kept a, a mm, rattlesnake yes, before. Yes. He had never kept a cascabel rattlesnake, which is a little okay. bit different. They're all very similar to keep. Right. Although the cascabel needs a slightly higher humidity, and he did know how to look after it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been okay. sold. At our expo, for example, if you sell a venomous snake, yes. the container is sealed. It may not be opened under any circumstances for the entire duration. So there's no chance of someone getting bitten, no one opening it, having it fall over in the car on the way mm. home. Right. Those, right. Those, they have oh. to be sealed because we work to international standards. I've been to very, very many international expos, and I know what they do there, and that's what we try to do at Empress Palace at the expo there. Yes. Um, as, with regards to the chinchillas and that, we just don't mm. approve of it. I don't think it's a good thing to have so many of them together because they generate heat. Um, as you know, my yes, son also specializes specific, in chinchillas. I don't, yeah. I don't like that sort of thing. That's right. why we do the reptile side because the reptiles are more or less, uh, we need the same conditions and it's a lot easier to monitor and we know yes. what we're doing. We also have a vet that goes through on Saturday morning and she will inspect all the, all the, um, cages. All the uh, containers, right, all right. the animals, and if there's anything that looks dodgy, which have happened in the past, we pull them. We it's pull as simple them. as good, you good. say to the guy, those things, thank you, we'll take them. We keep them until the end of the day, and he gets to take them home, but he does not bring them the next day. Right. Because we've got to keep up a certain standard. No, absolutely. I'm trying to promote the hobby. I'm not trying to make money out of it. Mm. Um, I sell a handful of snakes a year, and these guys are making a living out of it. So it's not in my best interest to have them sell something like a bearded dragon to a six-year-old child yes, who takes yes. it home, has spent a thousand rand on a cage, abuses the dragon, it mm. dies, or he gives it away. Then he's got a cage, he doesn't know what to do with it, so he buys another dragon. Right. That's not the way things right. work. I mean, no, these aren't goldfish. No, these are animals. All. Like you see this bearded dragon he's I've got here was sitting on my shoulder. Yes. They're lovely mm. to keep if you know what you're doing. If you Correct. don't, if you oh, don't no, research, if you don't research your animal, then you're an idiot. There are how many of them that are breeders? I would love to see more people sterilized than, than animals because yes. some of them should not breed. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately they do. So there's some things we can do, some things we can't do. So from our side, we try as far as possible. I mean, for example, if, if we sell boa constrictors, you get a care sheet with it with a number. If it hasn't eaten within 10 days, phone us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't help you tell me three months later it didn't eat and it, and died, it died. Because then I'm going to get upset because one of my babies that I sold you. Right. So we do hand out care sheets. We do try to educate people. And they can keep in touch with you. Yes. If I mean, I do husbandry on. courses. If you don't know enough about reptiles, come. I'm going to take you for eight hours. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know and it'll be perfect. Mm. But we also have problems at the expo. We had one woman there who complained that the one cage was too hot and there was no water in it. The unfortunate thing is the dab lizards that live in there need a hot spot of 48 degrees. Whoa. That is damn hot. hot. Number two, if you put in water, it's they die. No, they humidity. die. They cannot drink water. There are a couple of animals that if you give them water, they yes. die. And um, there's certain um, snakes that if you give them a water bowl, they will put their head in there and they'll drown. You have to spray them. They, they never see standing water in their entire life. Now, if you walk around and you don't know that specific animal, you look at this and you go, 
animal abuse. Mm. Yes. But once you know exactly which animal it is, Education. this is a Ceresti Ceresti, the Saharan horned viper, they never see standing water. You spray them down, they drink off their body, and that's it. And that's it. You give them too much water, they actually overhydrate and they die. So those are the sort of things where we try to teach the public when they buy stuff. And um, the two expos are not the same. They, mm. they just happen to be held close to each other, right. but it's not right. the same thing. Okay. I mean, you'll see, for example, ours have got carpets, pipe music, air conditioning, all that sort of It's not quite the same thing. Yes. And we have different people there. We have a lot of people who bring really special animals. I mean, I was speaking to one the guy. The more serious collector. Yeah, the more yes. serious collector. We've got a guy there. He's the biggest uh, ball python breeder in, in South Africa, and he has... When I say millions of rands worth of snakes, I'm not joking. And I spoke to him, what was his oldest breeding snake? And he said, well, he's had the one ball python now for 20 years. Mm. And every couple of years, she decides to take a year off and she refuses to breed whatsoever. Nothing can breed with her. She takes a year off and next year she'll breed again. So you will not have an animal which is stressed that will live for 20 years and still breed. You see, Ona, isn't it almost the same as, as when we look at uh, puppies and kittens, that yeah. you get reputable? Yeah. Uh, that mm. word is a little bit, what, what does reputable yeah. mean? People who care about mm. the animals, mm. um, who are serious collectors, who would do anything, they've put a lot of time, money and effort mm. in. But then you also get the, the backyard breeder, yes. <laughs> let's mm. call it that, the outside tank breeder hmm. who who will get a couple of beardy dragons and once breed the sale them, is made they don't yeah, care they whether don't they live or care. die or, they, they're not no. interested I've been in this game now we've been doing expos now for 14 years you can imagine that we don't just basically say who wants to come to the expo and sell mm. them a table we basically send the people that we approve the of reputable basically an invitation ah, would you like to be at the expo right. if anybody else wants to be there let us know when we yes. get somebody who we've never met before we phone around and we go hey who's this guy what do they do what have they check done him out. check him yes. out whatever i mean i'm connected with people that um are at maltons and darrow and all these guys so i can say to them look do me a favor just go to this shop and have a look what it's like yes, they, yes. they give me feedback and they say listen shop looks dodgy we went in there it smelled funny they had Ten bearded dragons in one cage. Like okay, that. So I don't want do them. Go and yeah. You know, I don't. I don't want to throw my reputation away yes. over a six hundred rand table so that somebody can sell their no, rubbish for there. Sure. It's not worth for it for sure. me. Now, I know. Before we, you know, time goes so quickly yes. in the studio. <laughs> Let's focus for a second on the two guys you've brought in today. Yes. You've got a bearded dragon here. He's absolutely gorgeous, and Ono is about to take him out. Tell us a little bit about. Bearded dragons. They're very popular as pets right now. Yeah, the they are, mm. but the, the story behind bearded dragons is actually quite strange. Bearded dragons have never been exported out of Australia legally. They were smuggled out of Australia probably in the 70s. Ended up in Europe, and the Europeans, especially the Germans. I'm sorry, look how he's listening. They, his little head's like looking at us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they breed these things like flies. Th- those guys are really professional, and their standards are way above anything that we were at at the time. So they bred lots of them and realized that these are very prolific breeders. In the wild, they produce multitudes of babies and these babies become food for a lot of other animals but in captivity we're raising about 90-95% of the babies so we had a lot then we started getting all sorts of different colors and some of them were smuggled into South Africa many years ago I bought the first bearded dragon babies that were born that were hatched here and I paid two and a half thousand rand each. Whoa. You now pick them up for 250 yes. rand each. Yes, oh, easily. But it's because they were so rare at the time and the only reason why they're popular is because they will allow you to make a few mistakes. If the cage isn't perfectly hot, they will still eat. Um, they're not as finicky as what people think they are, but there are too many people that do not know the minimum standards. Yes. They need minimum a hot spot, minimum a UV light or direct sunlight, minimum proper food, and they don't live in social groups. If you put two mm. together and the one sees the other one's tail moving, he will nip it off or a really? toe or whatever. Just bite it regardless, male, it's, female. It doesn't it matter. And the thing is why they do that is because everything looks like food to them. In the wild, they might live on 10 or 15 small insects at a time uh, per day. So they need something to eat, nibble on all the time. And that is why they end up nipping toes and things. If you keep them exactly the same size and they're well fed, you'll see that they don't damage each other. And these rescued bearded dragons are sometimes a problem because I wouldn't want to take on a rescued bearded dragon for the simple reason that 
they quite often have parasites in them. They've been abused. They, they've got broken legs. All that. Mm, Sometimes mm. I wonder if it isn't maybe better just to put them away and put them to well, sleep. Well, I saw one that had no function from sort of waist yeah, down. Yeah, that is that's wrong. Then then you're not doing it for the. You're doing it because it makes you feel good. You're not doing it because mm. the best thing for the animal. Um, I've had numerous animals which people have brought me where I know there's no chance no, for that animal to live a happy life. Yeah. Yes. You don't want an animal dragging a leg no. around. But, I mean, we've all seen three-legged dogs. We've seen three-legged yes, beardies. Sure, so, yes, some of them you can. But when they life. get to that that point where they are, their organs have taken a knock, they thin, then rather just put them to sleep. So, so if you're wanting a beardy, uh, I mean a, a child will at some point say, I need a pet mom. So it's either going to be a hamster or a goldfish or these days research, the beardy seems research, to be the choice. And research. If you do yeah. not research it, you're looking for a hiding. And make sure you can afford the right enclosure, the right, the right food, the lighting. Because the lighting, everything. some of the lights, they are very not cheap. Expensive. Yeah, they're very, they're expensive. very expensive. But then again, like the other little guy that we've got here is a, a leopard yes. gecko. Now, leopard geckos don't need UV light because they come out at night. They're much cheaper to feed because they only um, you can feed them Crickets. mealworms. Yes. No, you can feed them mealworms for the rest of their lives and will make no difference to them. Oh, really? Um, they live Dried forever. Dried or live mealworms? Live mealworms, live you put them in, yes. But they're, they're easy to breed. So you can just have a box, put some bran in yes. there, put some mealworms oh, in there. No, you're not going to help you there. No, it's fine. <laughs> We've um, got a beardy slide. And um, <laughs> these little leopard geckos live forever. To, to unless you're an idiot, you've yes. got to hit them with a hammer to kill them. Oh. Mine lived for 32 years and bred oh, when wow. he was 30 years Good old. Heavens. So it's not. It's like a parrot. It's a it's a lifetime dedication yes. to them, and they make amazing little pets. They're, they're incredible. They don't they don't need much. And um, you get them in lots of different colors. Now, this guy's got no spots, despite him being a leopard gecko, because he was bred to have less and less spots. So you do get and different morphs You get lots well. of morphs with him. And the most expensive leopard gecko I saw last year was 52,000 rand. Ooh, so they can go from 250 rand to a sizable oh, amount. Yeah, because um, I've also seen at like this expo, there were about 450 somewhere there. Yeah. But then others went up two, three, four thousand. But this yes. little guy is about 15 centimeters, hey? Um, yes. Mm. Is this a fully grown? How big do they grow? He's breedable. He's sexually mature, but he's not fully grown okay. because reptiles never stop growing. Mm. Um, you can imagine one of 30 years old is going to be a, a monster. Big he's going to be able to eat mm. a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, if the more you handle them, the more they basically will just sit in your hand and s- watch TV with you. Oh. So, they so they're very good pets. They, so they can like make good TV. pets, <laughs> but you have to research it. If you don't know what you're doing, you stay don't away. Get it. Don't no, get it. It's as simple it. as that. And the beauty. Buy a Tamagotchi. <laughs> yes. Much, exactly. Every time they die, you, you reset them. Yeah, you just yeah. reset. No, you have to, you have to research animals. If you don't, then you're an idiot. And it's, it's not simple. right. It's not right. And now tell me, the, the beardy diet wise? When um, they're babies, do they need crickets and stuff with they, later veggies? They like um, crickets. They like mealworms. They like um, veggies. But you can eventually teach them to eat basically pellets. You can buy beardy yes, pellets. I've seen that. And you just put that in. and, they, and Is that good for them or is it a processed It keeps them alive. Thing. And would I want to eat McDonald's yeah, every day? No. Exactly. I would like to chase crickets though. Right. So I prefer to put in um, crickets and mealworms and all sorts of other stuff for them. And then depending on what's in season, I mean, when it's mulberry leaf, when the mulberry leaves are, are around, then I give them mulberry leaves, I give oh. them mulberries, I give them mm. strawberries, I give them all sorts of stuff that are in season. Yes. And they like that. Is and there they anything will, they shouldn't eat that's bad for them? There's certain things that you stay away from, things like okay. uh, avos and uh, things with high iron. But for example, they, they love green peppers, all different colors. And every day mm. you give them a different color and then they're all excited yes. because <laughs> their memory is not that hot. So they don't remember oh, yesterday sure. they had it, but <laughs> this looks new. <laughs> and they do get excited and everything. So oh, they, I'm they looking are at him very, cuddling up yeah, to they, they are very personable animals. And there's lots of other lizards that are just as nice. Yes, um, some yes. of the legavons, we've got Australian legavons, small ones, that are also excellent. And But you need to spend time with them. It's like mm. it's like having a, a really special cat or a special dog. Yes. It's not something that you just… You can't just, just leave just, them in a cage. No, you can't just leave mm-hmm. them in a cage. I know that some people wonder why they aren't eating. And when my brother had his bearded dragon, they said he's not getting enough sun to digest yes. his food. Yes. So. Sun is very important. Not so much the sun, but the UV light from mm-hmm. the sun and also the temperature. Mm. 
a lot of the time their body is too cold to digest the food. So their mm. core temperature needs to go up to over 30 degrees. So if you've only got a spotlight in there that takes them to 30 degrees, the skin is 30, but the inner, inside. the inside of their body is not 30 degrees. Ah. So you need that. Plus, for them to, to take the calcium and turn it into bone, they need UV light. That's when you need to put in UV lights. Me, it's a lot easier. You build them a cage that mm. over weekends, you put them outside, you protect them from the elements, you protect them from birds and cats and all sorts yeah. of other stuff, and they run around in the Even sun. Even in the winter? Even in the really? winter. I mean, it's not that cold in the middle of the day yes. here in winter. And you spend three hours in the sun on a Saturday and Sunday, and it makes up for whatever else they yes. might be missing in so their life. So you could take your beardy out of its enclosure and make sure you got a safe yes, other enclosure and just let them straight in the full sun. Yes, for put them in there, two. but you need to yes. give them a place where they can hide from the shade, oh, so all that option. sort of stuff. Yes. And also you don't want them to have some bird come down and peck okay. on them. And you obviously you sit outside and you watch them while you're there. And that makes up for anything that might be lacking. But it doesn't mean your cage must be substandard. It just no, means sure. you're it's, giving it them helps. a little bit it more. Helps. It's like some days we just want to sit in the sun. Some days yes, they also no, just so, like and to it's sit more in natural. the sun. Do they yeah. drink water? Yes. They do. They All of them drink water. water. You give them a little water bowl. Um, some of them will – a friend of mine's actually got a massive cage with a waterfall. Mm. And they'll actually climb to the top of the waterfall, slide down, oh. climb out, lie in the sun. And when yes. they get too hot, they'll climb to the top climb and slide down. And you can sit there and watch them doing this. And you think – there's something wrong with them, obsessive compulsive. Yes. And he says they only do it for a couple of months of the year and then they stop. And then they stop. And then the rest of the year everything's fine and, and, and then I mean, they and then they start doing it again. Do you need to bath them? Do you no. need to, nothing? No, like none that. of these animals that, that don't have fur because they shed their skins, yes. anything that they have on them they will so you shed. Don't need to bath them but they if they like get that. external parasites, obviously you want to treat them for that. And are you off handling? Before we go, I mean, if you go and you get one of these little baby ones, should you be no, handling it? you shouldn't it? be handling a little baby one. If you want, you can put your hand in the cage, let him climb on your hand, and then feed yes, him so that he realizes bigger. your hand is a good place because oh, he gets treats. Okay. And it's a nice way of getting him used to you so that eventually, like now, he'll just yes. sit on my shoulder and he'll be happy. The problem is I don't like people driving through traffic with them on the shoulder because – Often there's just a shadow and they think it might be a bird of prey and they jump out of the window. Oh, um, oh. I had one that used to sit on the dashboard because it was nice in the sun and one of the window washers ran in front of a car and oh. nearly got killed. So that stopped me from doing that. No. Um, so no. yes, you don't, you want it, when you transport them, they must be safe, secure. secure and you don't want to disturb people who might not be used to these sort of animals. Mm. And that's one of the things at the expo. We ask the people when they leave, please go straight home. Don't stop and do shopping because your car gets too hot. Oh, right. Like what we have with dogs and people it's closing the them in cars. Exactly the same, same with reptiles. Applies. It's actually worse with them. I oh, know we sadly again yeah. running out of time. Let's end quickly by telling us about your expo. expo. Mm-hmm. Where okay. can people find it you? Will, what dates? It will be the second and third of May at Empress Palace. As you go in, you'll turn, you'll see the signage in there. And if you go in there, we expect to have about six and a half thousand reptiles and spiders and things for you to choose from. So anything you want, you'll probably find there. If you don't find it there, it's probably illegal or not in the country. Mm-hmm. And you get to speak to people that actually bred them. So if you've got questions, please ask them. If the guy doesn't want to answer you, go to his competition. And once they see that, they hate it, and they will give you everything that you need to know. And that's a nice thing about the expo, having so many people in such close mm. proximity. And um, they do try to give you as much so advice as possible. there's going to be a lot of education. That's what yes. we're trying to stress. And Absolutely. if you don't come right, look for me, and I'll explain everything to you. And you'll sort you. them out quickly. It's really cheap, though. Hey? 40 rand an adult, 20 rand a child. Very cheap. It's not to make money. It's to get yeah. people there and just make sure that they, growing. they learn is, something. Is, yes. is this whole field of collecting reptiles, is it growing? It is growing, but it's mm-hmm. not growing in the right direction. Okay. We'd like more education out yes, there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And well, I just see it. one last point there. You're yeah. the biggest reptile expo in Africa. That's huge. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Amazing. So it's not the Saturday, next Saturday and Sunday. Huh? Definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Well, that's about it. That's yeah, all we Sharon, have time for. We must just, with the last few seconds, yeah. announce the winner of our competition. Oh, where um, is the winner? The lucky winner. Uh, is her name is Rose? Rose. Uh, she, oh, because I see there. She said I just missed the question. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, oh, I, I okay. just got a message from our producer. She that says Rose that is Rose is winning. Well done, Rose. You can expect your beautiful Samsung very yeah, soon. Thank you for entering. And remember to listen to other shows because there's more up for grabs. Oh yeah, half a million rands worth. Absolutely. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, we've got some exciting shows coming up again. And until we meet you again, have a great week. Cliffcentral.com.